0: Another edition of Beat the Closing Number, presented by TheLines.com. My name is Eli Herskovich. You can follow The Lines on Twitter, at TheLinesUS. And before we get started, remember to give that video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever The Lines releases a new sports betting video on any market, including Moe's day-to-day MLB bets. And we'll get back to that on Tuesday, but if you're watching this on Monday, it is the NBA Conference Finals betting preview with no one else but Raheem Palmer, the NBA betting host over at The Ringer and
1: Spotify. What's going on, Raheem? Life is good. I cannot complain. I mean, we're just trying to keep it moving through the NBA playoffs. We got the Hundreds podcast dropping every day on The Ringer, so life is good. I can't complain. That's awesome. And you joined The
0: Ringer about a year, year and a half ago and doing great work on the NBA betting podcast front, and just sports betting in general. I know you do a lot of work when it comes to the NFL as well. And before we get into previewing the conference finals, Lakers, Nuggets, and Celtics Heat, I want to go back to Sunday. And the Sixers losing in Game 7, I believe they closed as around a 5, 5.5 point dog, depending on the spot. So Philly took money about an hour or two before tip, and They got blitzed in the second half. Jason Tatum went off for 51 points, a individual record for scoring in NBA playoffs history when it comes to game seven. But more
1: importantly, Raheem, you're a Sixers fan. So how did you take the loss? It was pretty bad. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I think the biggest thing is that when you look at the fact that in game six, it was 83-81. They got a clear path foul. And then they score three points for the rest of the game with five minutes left. And then you go into Game Seven, and they have an early lead. You get the flagrant foul, and then the, the 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 game just totally changes. And you know the thing that was just most disappointing for me is that our stars didn't show up. PJ Tucker hit a bunch of threes. Tobias Harris he gave us about sixteen points. But when your stars don't show up, it's just hurtful. You know, I mean, Joel Embiid MVP. James Hart and former MVP, you know, these guys just didn't, they didn't play well. And I think that's the most disappointing thing. And then we look at the fact that James Harden. he's probably, there's been rumors of him heading to Houston this summer. You know, we could probably, I mean, we might've hit our ceiling with this, this core.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because I know you're a professional batter. So you do a fine job of separating your bias when it comes to fandom versus what teams you bet on. But for the casual or novice sports better out there, whether they wager on the NBA or whatever sport it may be, or dice up their bets when it comes to sport by sport, how do you try to, I guess, engage that better who's learning to separate their fandom?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie A Bronx Tale. You ever yeah. see it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a scene where you know the kid is crying about Mickey Mantle. And dude is just like, look, yo, Mickey Mantle don't care about you. You know what I'm saying? Mickey Mantle makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, and at some point for me, you know, I had to realize I'm a Cowboys fan. Like Jerry Jones is not paying my bills. Um, you know, <laughs> like at the end of the day, it's just like, I mean, I'll bet against anybody if you know it's gonna make me some money. Um, so I think that's that's where it comes down to. It's just a matter of, and I'm I think you know, for me, I've been betting so long. That even though I'm a Sixers fan, I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm a Phillies fan, um, I'm a fan of Floyd May- Mayweather. Um, at some point, like I'm just not a diehard fan anymore. It's just like I'm willing yeah. to face reality. And if I can make money off something, then I will do that. So, I'm with you. Betting on sports definitely took the
0: fan out of me. And when it pertains to the NBA, I grew up a Bulls fan. So you know how that goes. Jerry Reinsdorf has kind of sucked. Every bit of fandom out of me in that regard as well. But Raheem, let's get started with how to bet on the Western Conference Finals, which tip off tomorrow night. So if you're watching this on Monday or if it is Tuesday, it tips off tonight. And Denver is around a five, five and a half point favorite in game one. Total has dipped. We were touching on this before we started the podcast from 223 down to 222. And the Nuggets are minus 155 favorites pretty much across the board to win this series. So before we get into the specifics in terms of matchups and whatnot between Denver and LA, do you have a game one angle or a series angle for the Western Conference
1: Finals? Okay, me personally, I like the Denver Nuggets minus five and a half for game one. I also like them for the series. I mean, my biggest thing is that, you know, like when I look at this Denver Nuggets team, they have home court advantage, which is, you know, huge. They were 34 and seven at home this season and like it's tough to imagine anybody going into Denver and beating them but when I look at this matchup Denver has pretty much almost every single advantage you know like I mean they're the better offensive team this is a team that has you know probably has the best offense in the playoffs scoring 121 points per one to possessions in their nine garbage time minutes they're not going to get dominated on the offensive glass the way they did the last time these two teams played you know the last time these two teams played in the play postseason. It was in the bubble. You know, the Lakers had that big team with Dwight Howard and Anthony Davis, you know, so it's just like their their philosophy was just, we're going to defend and get the offensive rebound. I don't see the Lakers being able to dominate the offensive glass the way they did. And then when you look at that previous series between those two, I mean, Anthony Davis had like an all-time great series, 31.6 rebounds, almost three assists, and he shot 55% 55% from the field. I mean, this is a guy who made all his mid-range jumpers. So, I mean, when I look at this series, I mean, Jokic is a much different player. I think they have the better three-point shooting. They have a guy, in Aaron Gordon to throw at LeBron. I like the Nuggets. I'm just going to take them minus five and a half for game one. Now, the one thing I will say is that Anthony Davis, if he's the best player in this series, the Lakers have a chance. I mean, they they truly do because, you know, they can throw that Anthony Davis pick-and-roll at the Nuggets all day long. So, I think if you're going to play the Lakers, the way they win this series is through Anthony Davis, and you can get Anthony Davis plus 350 for Western Conference Finals MVP, which is, you know, a new thing. I mean, last year we saw, I mean, they introduced these MVP awards for the Conference Finals. Magic Johnson on the Western Conference side and Larry Bird on the Eastern Conference side. And you mentioned
0: Davis and Jokic being the pertinent matchup in this series. So, let's dive into that a little bit more. And I was digging into this before we started recording, Raheem. Jokic has the highest player efficiency rating, so per, in terms of the abbreviation, in NBA playoff history. Ahead of Jordan, George Mikan, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Shaq, Hakeem, Giannis, Kawhi, and Tim Duncan round out the top 10. So it's pretty wild to think about that, considering how he didn't get the best of L.A. going back to the bubble. But like you mentioned, that was a different Nuggets lineup. So you go both ways here between betting Denver but making the case for L.A. And it's it's valid because you have to be able to look at things both ways. It doesn't matter if you're making the case for one bet. Uh, The series could totally flip if Davis ends up dominating this series and matchup for that matter against Jokic. But what is the key to that individual
1: matchup in your eyes? I mean, I think the, the key to the individual matchup is Anthony Davis defensively, he has to stay out of foul trouble. I mean, if he's, if he's in foul trouble, I mean, it's, it's, it's brutal. Um, And then also I think Anthony Davis has to make Jokic work on the other side of the ball. I mean, I think you, you, you want to be able to attack Jokic. You want to be able to put him in a pick and roll. Um, Obviously you want to be able to hunt Murray as well. Um, Make those guys work on the other end of the floor. But I mean, Jokic has just been so good offensively. I mean, in terms of, you know, if, if you double, he's going to hit the open guy and I mean, he's proven that he could score. I mean, he had the game against the Suns. We put up fifty-three points. So I, I just think I, I just think the Nuggets to me, they're the better team. And I'm just I'm a believer in that at some point, you know, when you have a great player, they eventually break through. And I just think it's Jokic's time right now. Would you have given the MVP award to Embiid still this season? <laughs> this hurts. Um <laughs> this hurts. I mean, I think when you look back at it, Jokic probably had the better season. But I mean, I think it's tough to give it to a guy three times in a row. Um, and I, I think you know, for as great as Embiid has been these last three years, um, I think most people wanted to see him walk away with one. But you know, this guy on Twitter, M. Dot Brown, writer, probably one of the best NBA follower follows I've had, you know, since I've been on Twitter. I mean, he always talks about it. You know, the MVP isn't voting voted on in a vacuum. It's just not, and. I say that to mean that in the NBA playoffs, like you kind of have to validate your MVP award. So you look at Giannis, the, the first couple of years he won MVP, when he flamed out in the postseason, you haven't saw him get an MVP award since. So you kind of have to really validate that in the postseason. And unfortunately, Joel Embiid didn't do that. Now, he was a little injured. He was a little banged up. But even before that, it didn't feel like he was playing, you know, his best basketball. And that series against the Brooklyn Nets, he had 15 turnovers and, you know, 10 assists, 12 assists. So um, he hasn't played great this postseason, and he hasn't validated the voter selection, um,
0: unfortunately. And going back to the Nuggets-Lakers series, before we get to Celtics-Heat, I want to bring up one more angle here, because you like Denver in Game 1. And if you think about the zigzag theory, and for betters that are unfamiliar with that term, it means kind of blindly and not that you or I would advocate for that, but if you're going to bet one team in game one and the price for the next game spread wise or money line for that matter, gets adjusted to an extreme ish degree, that may mean that you bet on the other team in game two, because a series as you and I both know is all about adjustments. And over the last three seasons, teams coming off an outright loss in the conference finals are 20 and nine straight up. And, 21-7-1 21-7-1 and one against the spread in their 29 follow-up game. So that's a pretty good mark in terms of correlating with the zigzag theory or just validating it for that matter. Do you think it will apply to game two if the Nuggets do end up winning in game one or just this series
1: in general? So, I mean, one of the angles, I like to do a little plot twist on the zigzag theory um and it's typically when it's a top 3 seed who loses and comes off a game one loss. So if the Nuggets were to lose game 1, I'm on the Nuggets totally because if you look since I think this is since 2000 and this is since 2005, top 3 seeds coming off a game one loss are 32 and 17. That's 65%. Um, and you saw that play out a ton this postseason. I mean, you can go back to round one with the Memphis Grizzlies losing round game one against the Lakers and then w- winning game two. The Cleveland Cavaliers losing game one against the New York Knicks, one game two. The Milwaukee Bucks losing game one against the Miami Heat, one game two. Like so, it's just like those are the angles that I kind of like to play. Um, top three seeds um, who lose game one—that's the way I play the zigzag theory. Now. <sighs> Like, I, I do think the zigzag theory as a whole is priced in a little bit. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the Nuggets went up two games to, to none and then the Lakers came back and, you know, won game three in and, and game four. So um, it's tough to fade the Nuggets at home. I think you kind of have to see, you know, the results of it, you know, what angles they throw out, you know, like what are the coaching strategies and, you know, how, how guys are playing before I can kind of commit to that right now and let's get into the eastern
0: conference finals next which tips off after the NBA draft lottery and if anyone wants to bet on that good luck i don't think any there's any sort of value in those numbers like you mentioned <laughs> with the zigzag theory getting priced in there's it's a lottery in its own right to bet on the NBA draft lottery but getting back to Boston and Miami Celtics are about an 8 point favorite in game 1 total of 210 and Celtics are also around minus 500, I believe as high as minus 525 to win this series. So, and if you look back at the conference finals in general, for teams that are priced at minus 400 or greater to win the series in terms of that market, the only teams that have lost in that regard, the 09 Cavs against the Magic and the 2004 Lakers against the Pistons in the NBA Finals. And both of those teams were minus 700 to win their respective series. So I say that with a caveat, do you like Boston? And when people look at a big number like this, they say, oh, there's automatically no value. And it doesn't necessarily mean that's the case just because it's a minus 500 betting line for the series. So what do you make of Miami and and Boston overall, especially with that in mind.
1: Okay, so minus 550, I mean, you're looking at about an 85% chance for the Boston Celtics to win this series. Now, you know, my model puts this, I mean, I think it has the home games at around eight and a half for the Celtics. So it's right around the market. But the one thing I will say is that these two teams played last year. And the odds for that series were, Boston Celtics minus 160. Miami Heat plus 140. Now I know Tyler Harrow is out for this series, but outside of that, it feels like the Boston Celtics are a worst team. And I I know what my model says and I know what the market says. When I watch this Boston Celtics team, they're not as good defensively as they were last year with Ime Yudoka. This is not a better team. Um the Miami Heat, I'm not sure that they're this much worse. So I do think there's a little bit of value on the Miami Heat. But, you know, when I watched the end of that Celtics series, and I'm really big on this, when a team is, is finds a way to escape, and you saw that in game six, they were down 83-81. 80, you know, with five minutes to go, Sixers had the ball on a clear path foul. I mean, we were like about five minutes away from... People calling Jason Tatum the Donovan McNabb of the NBA. <laughs> yeah, I mean this guy. Like, I mean he was playing that badly, he couldn't make anything, and he completely, you know, with the with the snap of a finger, he turned it on. And I think that carried over to Game Seven. And I think that type of that type of win to be able to escape that series can carry on and help the, the Celtics win an NBA title. So, if I had to look at this, you know, and and play a series, I'd be looking at Celtics minus one and a half. I mean, it's kind of juicy. I think you can get that at like almost minus minus 195 now. Um, I think that's the way I would play it. I do think the Celtics, to me, the thing that I've seen from the Celtics team is that even when they're significantly better than another team, which they were the Hawks, they still mess around. You know, it's like, so I don't expect them to sweep this Miami Heat team. I am a little concerned about, Jimmy Butler, he hasn't looked the same since his ankle injury. But I do think the Celtics at least wrapped this up in in six games. So minus one and a half makes the most sense to me. It's another interesting point in general when it comes to sports betting.
0: I know we touched on, and this is surface level with fandom versus betting, but... This is a little bit more nuanced when it comes to your model and where your model gauges a number in the market versus how you see a series play out, maybe with X's and O's and injuries. Also, you mentioned Butler being hampered a bit since he suffered that ankle injury. So when it comes to, and I know it's sport by sport, I don't necessarily want to drill you here on it's for sure this reason why, but some betters, are very model centric and they won't go off of their model when it comes to making a bet, no matter the angle heading into that game, whether it's rest or whatever it may be. So what kind of advice could you give to maybe a better that's just started to use a model and how often, again, loosely to trust it versus kind of trusting your instinct and however else you may evaluate a a betting market?
1: Well, I mean, for me, I kind of look at a model as just a baseline. It's just a, a, a baseline just to give me a number and where the number should be. Just, it keeps me honest. But to me, it's never been the main thing. I'm watching these games. I'm looking at matchups. I'm also looking at trends. Um, And I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, here's a good trend for, you know, this series that, you know, and I've done extensive work on, like a lot of people who follow me on Twitter, they see this all the time. But teams who come off a of game seven or a, game, a seven game series are 33 and fifty two, and game one of the following series since 1988. So a lot of times I'm fading those teams who come off a of, of game seven because more often than not, the team comes off a of game seven, they're tired, they're spent, they're burnt out, lack of focus, and the other team wins that game. Now, with that said, we all know the team wins game one, wins about 70% of the time. So those teams that come off a of game seven win, you know, we just saw we just saw this with the Lakers and the Warriors. Lakers, Warriors had that that seven game series against the Kings. Teams who win Game Seven and go to a ne- the next series, they're thirty six and forty nine, hitting just forty two percent straight up in the following series altogether since nineteen eighty eight. So I'll play an angle like that, you know, and completely disregard what my model says. Um, if I feel like the matchups are, you know, there, and you know, obviously a lot of people's models had the, the Warriors as favorite. But I looked at that matchup and I said, okay, Warriors are coming off a seven game series. So I have an edge there. I like the Lakers in game one. I think the Lakers, they have Anthony Davis. The Warriors don't have anything to, you know, match up with them. So I'm throwing my, my I'm throwing the numbers on my model out. You know, like most people's model are gonna say, why would you take the Lakers in game one against this Warriors team who's dominant at home? I can throw that out. So to me i kind of look at my skill set as almost like a boxer. Um i don't know if you watch boxing, but you look at a guy like Floyd Mayweather, right? He'll have like there's certain fights he might come in with a Philly shell. Then he might fight a Southpaw and he might use the high guard. So every single game i'm not necessarily using the same tools. I got so many different tools in my toolbox and i just want to find the right answer. That's all i want to do. Um if my if I feel like my model is going to give me the right answer, I'll use my model. But sometimes my model doesn't pick up on everything. Like my model there's no way my model would have picked up on the Miami Heat winning that winning that series against the Milwaukee Bucks. So I got to throw I got to know when to just pivot from that and then trust what my eyes are watching. So that's the advice I can give. It's just be able to just have different skill sets. I mean, I guess you know there's some math guys who are just going to blindly play the numbers, but I'm not
0: that guy. Yeah, I'm with you, especially when it pertains to college basketball for me and how closely I follow that sport. But correct me if I'm wrong, Raheem. I, I do believe last year, because you mentioned this is a rematch of the 2022 Eastern Conference Finals. Last year, the same Game Seven angle came into play because Boston was coming off of that grueling series against the Bucks, and
1: then they lost Game One in Miami. Yeah, and then how about the the, the crazy thing is? They lost game one in Miami, but then they actually played the Golden State Warriors in the next, next round. I mean, and they were losing by about 15 points and then made every three in the, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that was one that burnt me. But then, I mean, it ended up playing out for the series because Boston lost that series. And you saw down the stretch that they just weren't the same team. And, you know, one of the reasons why I actually put in the work on that is because, you know, I was like, I was a big fan of that Golden State Warriors team in 2016 won 73 games. And I always had the theory that if Golden State had not played, if they had not played the Oklahoma City Thunder and gone seven and had to fight for their lives, they probably won that series against the Cavs. I mean, the Cavs had to play the Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan Raptors, and they won that series. It was a six-game series, but they won that series in probably like one of the biggest point differentials in Eastern Conference Finals history. So they were just wiping the floor with the Raptors in their wins while the Warriors were fighting for their lives, coming back from 3-1. And you saw at the end of that series, oh, this is not the same Warriors team. You know, so I went ahead and just, you know, I went all the way back to, like, 1988. And, you know, when I found that, you know, these teams are only winning game one about, you know, 36% of the time, and in the series as a whole, 42% of the time, I said, you know, there's something to this. Um, I think this scenario is a little bit different just because, you know, Miami is a 10-point dog. <laughs> so I don't know if I would necessarily want to take Miami with, you know, the money line here, but I mean, a lot of these scenarios, I mean, you're seeing short favorites and, and, and short dogs and it's it's almost a gimme because it's just, you know, even if it's not the team tired, you know, in the moment, I think there's, there's a heavy letdown just from the intense focus that a, a, a game seven um takes to win. And last thing here, Raheem, want
0: to shift over And look ahead a little bit to the NBA Finals as we look at some of the odds or the the four remaining odds to win it all as Boston right around even money to win the title, Denver plus 240, Lakers plus 300, and then Miami all the way up to plus 1500. And then when it comes to the Finals MVP favorite, it's Jason Tatum after that game seven performance, no shock, and then Jokic Right around plus 275. So if you're looking to back Denver, maybe to win it all, you might want to consider Jokic instead to win NBA NBA Finals MVP. And then after Jokic, Jalen Brown or LeBron James, depending on the book. Is there any angle for you right now? Have you made any bets or even before we get to the NBA Finals on either the NBA title market or NBA Finals
1: MVP? I'm not a big, you know, futures player, believe it or not. I mean, I, I play, I'll I play him occasionally. This is not one that I would typically play. Um, But if I had to play one, I probably would, I mean, I, I probably would take a shot on, see, it's tough for me just because I think the the two most likely ones, there's not a lot of value on it. Jason Tatum at plus 140, Um, Nicole Jokic at plus 240. I mean, if I had to take a shot, it'd probably be Anthony Davis at plus 950 or um Jimmy Butler at 1600. Um those are the only ones I would take a shot. Maybe Jalen Brown at plus seven fifty, but it's just I mean, obviously the two most likely are Tatum and, and Jokic, but this is not typically how I would you know approach things at this point. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. And mm. last thing here,
0: everyone always has an interesting story of how they got into the sports betting industry. And you have uh you have made this clear on Twitter about Numerous times how you got started, and I think it's a fantastic insight into your career and how people kind of go about different ways of, of getting involved with sports betting, whether they were pro batters before or media content guys, however the path may have started. So for you, what was your way of getting into the sports betting media landscape?
1: Okay, so I mean, you remember, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Delaware Park Casino. Um, Delaware Park Casino. They were like they had an exemption in two thousand nine, where they were like one of the few places allowed to do parlay betting. So, um, back in two thousand nine, I was still DJing. I I was I was a DJ, so I was DJing in the music industry or whatever. But on Sundays, I didn't have a lot to do, so I would go down Delaware Park and I would place these parlay bets. Um, before you know it, it's like I'm down there every single week. Um, and I'm taking it serious. I got a local bookie, um, and I start really, really taking it serious. And before you know it, I'm probably making more money betting than I was DJing. Um, and then I think you know, if it's, I'm doing this for years and years and years, I'm in the music industry. I worked at Rock Nation, um, and at some point, I'm just like betting was my my passion more than more than music, and music was my my life. You know, I'm working for Jay Z, working at Rock Nation, but I just at some point, I just loved betting. So. Um, I left rock nation in about 2018 and I'm betting full time. Like I'm totally, that's just what I'm doing, you know? And the pandemic hits and I'm like, there's no sports. Um, (laughs) I'm not DJing. What am I going to do with my life? Um, and you know, like my friend, rest in peace, my friend, Jeff, um, he sends me, he sends me this information about the Action Network. They're looking for writers for the NBA bubble. Um, it's so funny because I had never really written before. But for whatever reason, as I started to get into you know sports betting, I would go on Facebook and I would write a blog about all the stuff that I was doing. And I, people would look at me crazy because I would write like I had an MVP model that I created to um, predict the um, most valuable player in the NBA, a um, little basic regression model. So I had stuff like that. Or I had a model that, you know, I, I was using just to just predict games. And I would write about it on Facebook. And people would be like, yo, you need to be writing. You need to be writing. But I just I didn't think much of it until my friend sent me that. So I was like, let me just send them everything I'm doing. I sent them my super contest results. I think I finished about um, I forget what I finished that year, but I did pretty well. Um, I sent them my super contest results. Um, I sent them, you know, pictures of my bet tickets. And I, I, mean, I had pretty large bet tickets. Um, I sent them, you know, my model, I sent them everything I was doing and they were like blown away. So I'm freelancing for the action network, you know, after about a couple weeks, you know, Chad really took a light into me. This is, I'm um, Chad Millman. Um, after a couple weeks, he gives me a three month contract a month into the three-month contract, Chad Millman is like, look, um, I'm going to hire you full-time. So I'm full-time at the Action Network. I'm doing that for about a year and a half. And then, you know, Bill Simmons, um, he follows me on Twitter one day, and I'm like, holy shit. And, you know, Bill <laughs> Simmons only follows like 800 people. So I'm like, wow, it's Bill Simmons. So I jump in G- Bill Simmons' DM. I'm like, yo, thanks for the follow. And he tells me like, I'm looking for a gambling guy. I'm, I'm doing some scouting. And I'm like, alright, i got to be my I got to be on my A-game. <laughs> um, and then I guess a couple months later, this is, when is this? This is, um, around, I'd say this is like April. Um, this is around the time of the Pelicans and Sun series last year. Um, and Bill just, you know, he hits me like, yo, you want to hop on this Ringer gambling show? And i never forget it because I hop on the Ringer gambling show. And the first episode, I say the Mars are going to the Western Conference finals. <laughs> and you know everybody was picking the Suns in that series, but I, I'm like I call it two rounds enough. I'm like the Mavericks are gonna beat the Suns, and, and I said it because the Suns just don't shoot enough threes. The Mavericks can you know outshoot them from three, and then right after the episode, Bill hits me like, look, I'm i I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I want to bring you over to the Ringer, and I'm like, wow. Um, so I, I took some time to think about it because I you know I, I love the Action Network, and you know. A month, I mean, I, I told him yes. I was like, I'm going to finish out, you know, where I started. And then, you know, May 31st, 2022, I was at the Ringer. So just, you know, totally thankful.
0: And that's where you could hear him now breaking down mm. everything sports betting, including the NBA playoffs, which he does very well and has been breaking down on this podcast. And follow him on Twitter for more
1: NBA betting insight at... It's It's like, it's like, so it's like, um, like... It's no, it's a play on Nostradamus, but it's also, um, I don't know if you've, you, you're listening to Nas? Yeah. You know, he had the albums, I Am, he had two albums back to back, I Am Nostradamus. So, so that's where I'm you going, got it from. Yeah. So it's just, it's a double entendre. <laughs> so it's like, I'm, I'm playing off Nostradamus, but it's also a shout out to my favorite rapper, Nas. So I am, I am Rostradamus.
0: <laughs> there we go. Be sure to follow Raheem there on Twitter for all of his great. Work and thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by thelines.com. If you want your shot at winning a $25 Amazon gift card daily, head over to play.thelines.com and our NBA Pick 'em contest. And also head over to the Lines free Discord channel for all of our bets. For again, free, we're not touts. I know Raheem's not a tout either, we don't advocate for that kind of stuff. So head over to thelines.com for more info on our free discord for Raheem mm-hmm. for myself Eli Erskovich follow the lines on twitter at the lines us thanks for watching and listening so long everybody